Welcome back, everybody, to the FBC Kyle podcast. I'm here with Pastor Jeff English. He's the pastor here at uh, FBC Kyle. Today we're going to be going over a few questions related to last Sunday's sermon. Did you want to give us a, a recap of what we were yeah. talking about? Yeah, we're in a series called The Church Triumphant, and right now we're kind of looking at the church. What is the church? A lot of things are changing right now in the church, but what are the things that make church church? What are the things that will last? Yeah. And what lessons can we learn right now about what it means to be the church in times like this? So we're going through the series, and this week we talked about the church is really the body of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 12, the church at Corinth was a troubled church in many ways. They were really having trouble in the area of spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. So what should have really united them was causing division among them. Yeah. And so it was a real problem. So. Paul talks out, uh, starts talking in chapter 12 about spiritual gifts and the division they were causing. And then he leads into this discussion of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. He wants to show them who they really are in Christ. There were some things they needed to remember about being the body of Christ. And yeah. so it picks up with verse 12. It says, For even as the body is one, and yet as many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the ear says, Because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? And, and I, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much true that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become more, much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lack, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. So that's a lot of information yeah, back yeah. to the message about the church. But it's the church. We're the body of Christ. It's important that we really understand who we are yeah. and what that means. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of fall into that too. Um, that uh, sort of thinking, like, and I, I mentioned it in the sermon as well, the Thinking like oh all the all the spiritual gifts that you can see and like that are evident yeah. through just like watching other people you think those are the, those are the real ones those are the real gifts and and I'm not I'm not necessarily gifted that way so I'm not I don't like what yeah. I I don't have any spiritual gifts or my spiritual my giftings aren't worthwhile um, but yeah that isn't I mean yeah you can't function without you those. can't really function without well, and one of the things that was happening there but I think we could be prone to have that happen in our hearts and lives today is they were seeing visible parts of the ministry. Yeah. They were seeing preachers and teachers, evangelists, and people with these outstanding, visible, spiritual gifts. And some of them were saying, if I'm not doing that, 
I'm really not part of the body. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be a part. Or, or I can't necessary. be a part of it, so I'm not necessary. Yeah. And you know, people today in churches, they're seeing what, podcasts or sermons online or Bible studies online? And it's, oh, I see, they're the church. Mm. It's the visible ones. It's the ones that are preaching or teaching or doing the podcast or communicating. And it's it would be easy to step back and say, maybe I'm not really needed right now. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe I can take a step back. Yeah. And really... What Paul was saying, everybody's needed. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. That's really good. Um, so let's just go into the first sure. question right here. It says, Do spiritual gifts change as you mature in your walk with Christ? You know, it's an interesting thing about the, the study of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. There's not one definitive list of them. Mm. Oh, yeah. There's not one list. And usually we compile a list. Because each time they're listed, they're listed a little bit differently. Yeah. And I think there's a reason for that. There's not one definitive list of all the spiritual gifts. Mm. I think, you know, there we everything that the Bible says is true. But I think God doesn't want us to get in our mind, get fixated on these certain gifts. Yeah. Our job is to seek God and be led of His Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit decide what gifts we get. Yeah. So there could be there could be like a more specific gifting than like like hospitality or, or what like it could be like a specific type of hospitality that you're exceptionally good at I think so I think it could be specific and I think certain combinations of gifts yeah. uh, might be they are unique to that person and I do think they may change over time but I think the key is for us not to be concerned about the gifts so much as seeking God being led of his spirit and just let the Holy Spirit decide what gifts we need and when we need them. Yeah. And just use those to the glory of God, the good of others, led by the Holy Spirit. And that's what our emphasis needs to be on. We, we get so fixated with a list, but then there's not even one definitive list. Yeah. Like uh, we the other day in our home group, we took we took one of those uh, spiritual gifting tests yeah. where you like you answer all the questions on like a scale of 1 to 5. And then at the end, you add them up, and it kind of gives you a, a general look at what your giftings might be. Um, but even then, like looking at the list, like <laughs> it is kind of like like a tallying up, like almost like a score. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I see that in myself, or I'm happy that that's like that's where I land in that. But then there's other things where it's like you feel like you're lacking because you're not gifted in this other area. Yeah. yeah. But that might just not be what God has for you. Yeah, that's right. And that, that can change over time, too. I, I believe it can. And one of the things about those uh, gift inventories that we need to be a little cautious of, you know, you maybe you'll talk to somebody and say, what, what is your gift? Well, I took this gift inventory about 12 <laughs> or 14 years ago, and it said I'm this, so I guess I'm that. It's like, well, based on the test. Yeah. It's like, but the real question is, hey, have you been seeking the Lord with all your heart? Yeah. Are you led of the Holy Spirit? What's he gifting you to do right now? What gifts has he given you in, in your life right now? Yeah. And that maybe is a more accurate reflection of where we are with the gifts rather than a, a test we took 14 years ago. Yeah. But those tests are really interesting, though. They help us to seek. They help us to understand ourselves a little bit. They can really be used in that process. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is interesting. I feel like the only way to really know what your gifting is is just to... It, I feel like that just becomes self-evident as you, as you walk with the Lord. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what is the purpose of going to church? Well, that's a good question, especially these days, right? Because we we can't go to church. But I think in a a way we can. I I think that language to me, I I thought about that phrase, going to church, let's go to church. 
And in some ways, we use the same language about work. I'm going to be going to work. Hmm. Well, fewer and fe fewer people these days are actually going to work. They do their work. They accomplish their work, but yeah. they don't have to go somewhere to do it. They're doing it at home. Yeah. yeah. And so these days, we can't really go to the sanctuary to worship yet, anyway, hopefully soon. Yeah. But this idea of going to ch church is a place that I go to. And that's really not a biblical, at least a complete biblical picture of church. Mm -hmm. Church is something that we are. It's not something we go to. And being the church leads us to do certain things, and one of them is to worship together. But we don't have to go anywhere to be the church. Yeah. You know, yeah. We are the church. We're part of the body of Christ. It's who we are. It's our identity. And a part of that that we enjoy greatly is to not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and we come together and worship and celebrate. But we don't have to go somewhere to be the church. Yeah. We're the church, yeah, and we get to go some places <laughs> and get to be, yeah, and we get to be in fellowship with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's a different way of thinking about it, because a lot of times growing up, I was raised in a, oh, I don't know how, a little bit more fundamentalist, I guess you'd say, and I still believe in the fundamentals of the Bible, yeah. and, and, but you know, where I, I did kind of think of church is what happened one hour a week on Sunday morning. And that's a pretty anemic definition of church. Yeah, yeah. You know, when somebody says, you know, are you, what's church about? Well, it's 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. That's sad. I know, yeah, that's, but that's, that's how I always viewed it as a kid. It's like somewhere I, I have to be yeah. uh, for every Sunday morning, you know. Um, yeah, me too. I can remember my mom pinching me to keep me awake in church. It was not always a pleasant experience. Yeah. And then they told me I was going to be in heaven forever, and I would think that heaven was going to be like one of those church services, <laughs> and my mom was going to have to keep waking me up for eternity. It's like, I don't want to do this forever. <laughs> yeah. No. Pretty bad idea what I, church is supposed to be like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would. I would keep myself entertained by. Uh, we we would we uh, did church in this gymnasium. And I would lean back and rest my head on the chair and count the tiles <laughs> on the ceiling. Yeah. Count how many were broken. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just. But I mean, some of that, some of that's age, though. Because yeah. I, I noticed as I as I got older, I was able to actually focus on what what the pastor was saying. Yeah. Um, and that that makes a difference. You know, in, in some ways, um, I think of that, the hour we spend, or two hours, whatever, when we spend together as a preparation time almost. Uh, it really does serve an important function. And one of the, um, the leaders are supposed to be equipping the saints for the work of service. So it's an equipping time. It's also a time for encouraging, where we come together. You know how when you go, um, people who go on a mission trip, and maybe they're split up for a day. You go in the south part of town. You go by the marketplace. You guys go over here. And at the end of the day, you come together, and you share notes. You would not believe what happened. Yeah. We went over here, and God was moving, and we got to talk to this person. And you know what? Over here, we had a Bible study. We had little kids were coming. We were sharing the Lord. We were sharing Bible pictures. with, And everybody's just celebrating and encouraging one another. That's what church is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Church is that time where we come together to celebrate what God's done during the week. We come together and encourage one another. And then we come together also and are equipped to go out again and, and to work. It's, it's also that really great time to worship together collectively. Yeah. 
you know, we're, so there's a lot of benefits to it. Yeah. There's a lot of benefits to being in fellowship together in one place, but we're, we are the church. And whether we're um, at home on Monday working on our computer, or whether we're online, or whether we're sitting in the sanctuary, we are the body of Christ. Yeah. And, you know, just living in that daily. How, how can we be the church every day? Yeah. And that's, that's such a different perspective than, I know the one that I've had for the longest time is like churches, yeah, like church is a place that you go to, and then once, you, once the service is over, church is done, and it very rarely would, it very rarely carries over into what I, how I act throughout the yeah. week, yeah. Um, which is pretty hypocritical, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. But, well, we all fall short in that. You yeah, know, we do. But the idea is, church is one of the things that's supposed to inspire us in that, equip us in that, encourage yeah. us in yeah. that. And so it, it serves a really important purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, this thing has been poking me up. Oh, play it. <laughs> so i got to, got Stay good. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay. All right, next question. Is it wrong to attend another church's online service once in a while? Well, I do that. I mean, you know, Really, I think to supplement what you're learning at your church, I mean, to be online and hear good preaching and good teaching and good worship and good studies, I think it's great. I yeah. think it's awesome. It's one of the benefits of being a believer in times like this. It really is. Yeah. That there is so much good material out there that's available to us. And um, I would say this, a uh, key phrase is good material. There's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. Just we need to be cautious about what we're taking in. You know, uh, make sure you know the source. Make sure you know the doctrine. Yeah. So you're not just basically eating junk food. Yeah. You yeah. know, make sure you're you have a good, healthy spiritual diet. But I would say this: those those times of watching online and other things are great supplements. But it doesn't take the place of being a part of a local New Testament church. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of the danger there. If somebody's online experience. And they, they feel like that's enough for them. Mm. It's not quite the same as being a member of a local New Testament church. That's a fundamentally different thing than that. And we can supplement that with yeah. that online. Yeah. But a New Testament church is a, a group of believers in covenant together. It's a, a family that has made certain promises to God and to one another. Yeah. It's a family, and you don't get that necessarily in the same way online. No. Yeah. And the benefits of being in family together are so awesomely wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, really, the local New Testament, even here in, in Corinthians, Paul's talking to a local New Testament church. He's talking to a church in a city called Corinth. Yeah. So, I think it's important we plug into a local New Testament church, Bible believing, Christ honoring, spirit led church, right? And then we supplement that, sure, with it. You know, all kinds of good things. Yeah. And, that, and that's, like, a lot of the people that I listen to, like, um, different services and stuff throughout the week, um, they they make that clarification, yeah, like, like this is not, like, you're not, like, this is not a sub, uh, a substitution for being part of an actual, uh, of a, in, like, a real church. Right, yeah. Because they can't, they can't help you yeah. in, when you're, when you're in need, or, yeah. they and they don't, they couldn't, they can't know you. Yeah. Especially... Like some of the some of the services I listen to are from churches like in completely different states. Yeah. Like so, there's no there's no connection there. There's no. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. But uh, you know the churches, the seven churches in the Book of Revelation. It's amazing how unique the messages are. 
Yeah. And it's like they were in different places in different churches. And the Lord says something very specific that relates to their particular church yeah. and their particular community that they're in. And that's the way the Lord speaks to churches through the local church. It's often an individual message. It's all biblical. It's yeah. all Bible. Yeah. All led of the Spirit. But God has a message to say for every church. He's that specific, and He cares that much, that every church has a specific message and to address the needs of a specific community. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it is good to hear all, all that other good preaching. I do it all the time. But the thing of it is, it, it doesn't replace necessarily what God has for you and for your community through a local church. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, is it acceptable to attend Sunday church once in a while, but regularly be a part of small groups and fellowship, not in the sanctuary? That's, you know, pretty old school. <laughs> I would say this, you know, as far as not going to church all the time, um, the Bible does say, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing in our culture, I was listening the other day, is that the average Christian, not before the pandemic, this has totally changed since, but was going less than two times a month attending church. That means just not just worship, but being at church at all two yeah. times a month. Yeah. was what I gathered from that discussion. And that's gone down over the years. So the idea is that um, to be connected and stay connected is a priority. Yeah. That be a priority in our hearts, a priority in our life. Does Jesus love people that go to church more, more than he does people who don't? No. No, he loves us all, all the time. Yeah. Right. So it's, it, it, it's not about earning God's love by being in church more, keeping it by being there more often. But though there is something very special about being able to come together and show our gratitude for our, our Lord and to be together with other believers. I think we're learning that more and more through this pandemic. Yeah. You know, that time together is very, very special. So, I don't know, I would say everybody's busy, but... Yeah. Yeah. You always make time for what's important to you. Yeah. No matter how busy you are. So. Yeah, and that's the that's the other thing that I would have said. Like obviously everybody's situation is different, but yeah. like what's the what's the motivation behind not attending Sunday service? Like is it it cuz like small groups and whatnot are really great things. Um but I don't know. And maybe that's just a Maybe that's just a preconception that I have for no apparent reason. Yeah. Um, but I would think that those things would not necessarily be a substitute, just just for the sake of substituting them. Yeah. Um, I think they're all important. God loves us no matter how, how often we attend. But there are specific benefits to worshiping together. Um, and I think it's just something you wouldn't want to miss. Um, in the old days, there's places in the world today even, where people risk their lives to go to church. That's how important it is. To, in China, um, persecution around the world has been increases. I read recently through an organization called Open Doors, I think was the name of the organization. One out of nine believers in the world is experiencing high levels of persecution. Now that, that startled me. And these are people in these places, a lot of them, they risk things to fellowship together just to be in the same room. 
some places that don't have Bibles, someone will memorize a passage of the Bible and they'll be the living Bible. And they'll go around to different small groups and things just to say what they know of the Word. Wow. And things like that. And they, they risk a lot to be together. And I think sometimes we take that for granted a little bit too much. Yeah. You know, it's a privilege that we have, you know, to worship together yeah. as the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah, because that isn't, that isn't the case for a lot of places. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. How do we get out of this church as part of my schedule mentality? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... That's it's a hard thing to do. Uh, it is sometimes good that it's a part of our schedule. Yeah. But if that's the only reason we're going, um, that is kind of a wrong mentality. There's a passage in Isaiah, and Israel had fallen to this thing. They were just all doing the right things. Okay, we're going to church. Okay, we're offering our sacrifices. Yeah. Right. We're doing right. We need to do yeah. work. But listen to what God says to them. The Lord always dealt with the heart of things. Not just what, but yeah. why. Yeah. Why is the big question? So why am I going to church? Why is that on my schedule? Why is it? That's the important question. Yeah. So listen to what the Lord, I can't read all of it too long, but listen to what he says. Hear the words of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now that's pretty rough. Yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah are some bad, bad places yeah. in the Old Testament, yeah. and he's comparing his people to that. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the bull, blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. Why are you doing this? What is all these sacrifices to me? It doesn't mean anything to me. And he says, why? Hear it a little bit later. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my course? When you come to temple... Who's requiring this of you? Why are you doing it? Yeah. In our language, why are you coming to church? Why are you giving your time? Yeah. Who requires this? Why is this? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. And here he's getting to it. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. And then he says this, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from my sight, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. And then he says this, and this gets right to it. Come now, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. So they were doing all the right stuff. Right? Yeah. I mean, they were going when the doors were open, offering the sacrifices, and doing all the right stuff. But their heart wasn't in it. Yeah. And so the idea, the Lord just says, listen, you need a change of heart that changes your life. If your heart's not in this, it doesn't mean anything to me. No. And so I think we need to really ask ourselves the question, why? Why is church on my schedule this week? Why am I going to church? Well, that's what my parents did. And that's the way I was brought up. Well, that's fine. That's good. But the real question of those, that question is why. Why am I doing it? Yeah. 
And if we find that we're doing it for the wrong reasons, then the Lord says, come and get your heart right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, thinking about uh, that, the story of the rich young man who came to Jesus and said, you know, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all these things correctly. Yeah. Um, but then uh, Jesus went to the, the one thing he knew he wasn't letting go of and said, like, you know, uh, give away all your stuff and like follow me, um, and he couldn't he couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of a similar situation where he, he was he was doing all these things, but probably not for the, the yeah, right reasons. It's the, it's the lie. It, it's even possible to do good things for the wrong reasons and then not be the right things. Yeah. I mean, going to church is a good thing, but if you're not doing it for the right reason. You know, yeah. doesn't mean. Who are you helping? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. But I think it is important. Yeah. But it's important because it's a reflection of our love for God that we have in our heart. Because it comes from the heart. It's an expression of how much we appreciate our gracious Father yeah. and our loving Lord. You know, then it, it means something. If it's just my duty, you know. Yeah. If my kids came to me, well, Father, I feel it's my duty to visit with you once a week. And so I'm going to be here <laughs> on Wednesday afternoon from 4 to 5 o'clock, right? Yeah. yeah. No, stay home, okay? Yeah, it's like, I don't want, I don't want that. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. <laughs> really not a great attitude. <laughs> so a lot of times in my life, that's been my attitude. Yeah. This yeah. is, i got to do this, Father, so I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's a whole other but, thing. Yeah. All right. Um... All right, in verse 13, what does it mean when it says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body? Yeah, the word baptized there it means to immerse. To immerse. And it's like a ship that went under the sea or some cloth that was being dyed and it was immersed. So it's immersed. So what happens, this miracle happens when we get saved. There's a really a lot of miracles that happen when we get saved. Things change. You know, that verse that says, old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. That's a huge transformation. And one of the things that changed the moment we're saved is God places us into the body of Christ. We become a part of Christ's body, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. We become a part of that. And we become a part of this family. And it's a miracle. So that's what that's talking about. Uh, this is my understanding of the biblical baptism of the Holy Spirit that this is specifically saying we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, mm -hmm. which is the body of Christ. Yeah. And it's a miracle, especially when you consider how little we deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Think about it. Because what were we before God did that for us when we were saved? We were his enemies. Yeah. I mean, he's a holy God, and we're sinners, not only by nature, but by choice. We chose to rebel against We were his enemies. And so God, while we were his enemies, he demonstrated his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we're his enemies, not striving to be his friends. Yeah, yeah. But we were his enemies. And at that point, he allows Jesus to leave the right hand of the Father, to come to this earth, and live a sinless life to die for his enemies. Yeah. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And now because of that, right, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. We who are his enemies. And when he receives us, 
He doesn't say to us, okay, you were my enemy, and now you're, I'm going to spare your life, but you're going to live the rest of your life in a dungeon. You're going to live in the dungeon because <laughs> yeah. you don't deserve it. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say, okay, now you can be my servant. You can be the servant, just the lowly servant in the kingdom. He doesn't say that. What he says is, you can be my child. You yeah. can be family. Yeah. I'll be your father. And now you can have brothers and sisters. And not only that, you, I'll make you a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you're going to rule and reign with him forever. It's just like, what? Yeah. And what it, just happened? All know? in an instant. Like, there's no gradual process to earning that or, or it becoming that way. It's just like, okay, you're mine now. It's just grace, right? Yeah. How amazing is that? So that's that miracle of God placing us in the body of Christ, you know, at the moment of our salvation. And then he kind of unpacks in the rest of that passage some of the things that that means. Yeah. But um, it's a miracle. Yeah. Uh, we're really family as believers in a very, very real way. And that's important to God because um, God has always existed in community. Yeah. I mean, it's always been God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's never existed alone. And everything that God creates has this aspect of community to it. Yeah. Everything he makes. And so salvation has this community. It's God including us in his community. Yeah. It's God including us and joining us to take part of the, of the unity and the fellowship and the love that he's had with the, the Son and the Holy Spirit from eternity past. Come be a part of that. Yeah. Come be a part of a family you know, where you know that. It's a miracle of grace. It's a miracle, you know. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Oh, man, that's so cool. All right, uh, last question. It says, how can the hidden parts of the body, hidden in quote, um, parts of the body serve right now during a time of social distancing? That, um, that's really important for us now. You know, when he's talking about the hidden parts of the body, I, he's kind of talking about the parts that are, visible and presentable, the unpresentable part get more honor. And kind of how I think about that is when I got up this morning, I, I put on clothes. There's certain parts of the body I think are more presentable. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, okay, you got to see my face. All right. So I'm not going to cover up my face and walk around. Um, other parts, you know, uh, that I think are not as presentable. And so I put on a t-shirt and I put on a shirt and I, you know, you don't want to see my stomach walking around. <laughs> But the idea is I clothe them and so that my whole body has the same honor. Hmm. The, the lesser part get clothed and so the whole body is presentable, honorable. But the most important parts of the body, the part he clothes with honor, are the parts that aren't intended to be seen. Hmm. And it's amazing, you know, when you think about it, that he clothes them with honor, the parts that are behind the scenes, the people that are doing things. The senior adult that's home praying for the church every night. Clothe them with honor. Mm. Right? Just clothe them with honor. It's the one who's out mowing people's lawns. You know, not to get paid for it, but just because there's a need. And they're going doing lawn work for people, right? And sacrificing to do it. Yeah, clothe them with honor. Yeah. The Lord clothes them with honor. It's the unpresentable, those parts that you don't see. And that's true if you think about it, the body. Um, I wouldn't want to lose an ear. Yeah. Because I couldn't get my glasses up. But, um, <laughs> but if you lost an ear, you can live without an ear. Yeah. Right? You can. You can live without an eye. 
You, you can live without these, a lot of these very visible parts, but not without a heart. You know, that, that part that you can't see is more important than the parts that you can see. Yeah. And that's true of the body. We think the visible parts are the most important. It's not true. Yeah. The parts that you don't see are just as important. They're really the heart of the church. And so it's the people that aren't on the um, online services. Yeah. You know, but they're still the church. Yeah. It's the people who aren't being seen or heard. You know, that's an important part of the body. I, I mentioned this one man, uh, his name was Dan, and, uh, in the service on Sunday. But I was thinking about him again the other day. Karen and I were talking about him. We actually tracked them down. They've moved to one of the Carolinas. So, But uh, Dan would come in to church, he and his wife Eileen. Dan's a great guy. And he'd come in um, and he'd serve as best he could. And one of the ways he could serve was he would line up the chairs, make sure they were all straight. And then he would check in the backs of the chairs where the pockets are and make sure they had a visitor's card that was new and no trash was in the pocket. And then he would, there would be pencils. He'd sharpen all the pencils. They put them all back in. Everything was just right. And he'd get everything just right. This was before anybody got there. And Dan would come over to me right when I got there. He'd been there already working. And he always asked me two questions. And Dan talked like this. He had an accent like this. So it's like, Brother Jeff. He said, how you doing? How you doing, Brother Jeff? I was like, I'm fine, Dan. I'm doing good. <laughs> and he would always say, is there anything I can do for you today, Brother Jeff? No, he called me Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff. And I said, no, Dan, I'm good. Thank you. Appreciate it. And he meant it. Dale would go, when the service started, he'd back there with bulletins, he and Eileen. And now bulletins are smiling. How you doing? How you doing today? How you doing? And just, this is a servant. And I just, I hope one day, seriously, I'm half the servant that Dan is. And his wife, Eileen. I just, yeah. and I thought about him the other day, and the verse that came to mind is when the Lord is going to take Dan in his arms, right? And he's going to tell him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah. Enter into the joy of your master. Yeah. And I hope I'm standing nearby to hear that. But yeah, I mean, that's it. That, it's the parts that you don't see that are often the most important parts of the church. Yeah. It's not the visible parts. We, we just honor the visible parts. You know, they're the parts that get our attention. Yeah. You know who gets the Lord's attention? The one who's serving faithfully even when they're not seen. Yeah. It's the one who this week is going to be talking to a neighbor or taking food to someone who's sick or calling up just to check on a senior adult or just checking on a friend. You know, that's the heart of the church. That's the church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really good. Um, well, that's, uh, that's all yeah. the questions we have for today. Um, Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for taking the time to... Yeah, I'm glad to. Thank you all for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah no problem. Um, did you want to go ahead and pray something? Yeah, let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord. We are so privileged to know you. Everything that's good in our life has come from you. Apart from you, Lord, in our flesh there dwells no good thing. We know it. Everything good in our life has come from you. And through Christ, we have received such blessings of grace. Lord, to think that we're saved and a part of our salvation means that now we're in community with you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and with other believers. 
Lord, we're family with you now and with one another. Lord, what a blessing. Lord, help us to understand and make that a reality in our life each day this week. Not some theoretical, theological construct. But Lord, help us to be family. Show us how to do it. Help us to be family. Lord, if we're family the way you want us to be, we know other people will see that. They'll see the love that we have for one another. And they'll know we're your disciples. And it'll lead them to you. So thank you, Lord. We are so blessed. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.